Don't uh, put that in. I don't want to talk about cheese curds. I even hate the word curd. Just erase all that. <laughs> I don't think I, but, but nobody else cares about curds. I know. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Sometimes I say a word and I'm like, I hate that word. I don't Just like hate it. Oh. I hate it. I hate it. Welcome to the Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that focuses on a topic from around the whiskey world, and we tend to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock, the author of The Whiskey Cabinet. My co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. Today's whiskey topic is a topic we've been avoiding for many shows. We're going to be talking about craft whiskey and handmade whiskey and what it all means. Jamie, what are you drinking? I am drinking Wild Turkey's Forgiven. So this is the lore behind Forgiven is that now we all know how how much I love uh, Wild Turkey. The the whole sort of story behind it is that someone accidentally combined a batch of rye and a batch of bourbon and they instead of turfing it out, they packaged it and they sell it at the gift shop. Now it's part of their sort of staple and I believe I could be wrong. It might not only be in the gift shop. You might be able to get it somewhere else. So it's a nice, like, sort of high rye, very high rye um, bourbon. I mean, they don't call it – do they call it bourbon at all here? No. I don't think they can, It's right? a fateful it's got... blend of rye and yes. bourbon straight whiskeys. So, um, yeah, this is uh, – I love it because I love any – bourbon that's high rye so I well I love anything that's high rye including rye itself so I'm a big fan of this I'm obviously a big fan of anything uh wild turkey um and it's just a really cool sort of thing I don't know if the story is true of whether or not it was by accident and then they've just continued to make it because it's done so well um or if you know they it's always better when there's a story behind it right so but yeah, and we uh, we heard a very similar story from the ambassador from Ardbeg. Yes, right? we did. Yeah, it's sort of, so. I mean, like, it seems plausible that you know somebody didn't have enough coffee that day and just went like do 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 and like oops, <laughs> oh dear, accident. Oops. What am I gonna do now? It's funny. I I think I had that. Well, I know I had that drink. Um, I don't know, maybe like five or six months ago when we were uh, at a buddy's house. And I remember, like, kind of homing and hanging up. I was like, I had, we, had, we had a fair bit of tasting. It was towards the end of the night. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I like this too much. And then you told me the story. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Right. It's like it, it almost does have, like, that kind of two different personalities from start to finish. And it, it almost doesn't have that middle that I think. And it, but it also is so unique because there's nothing else that really tastes like this. Because yeah. um, we, we talked about, you know, American whiskey is so well defined. And you would have a bourbon or a rye and then you would never like blend something that doesn't quite qualify as either mm -hmm. because you can't you can't sell it as well people want a bourbon they want a rye they don't want something that's been like a blend of two different things that's true and actually it's funny because i'm drinking it now i'm at the bottom of this bottle i am literally there i might i'm just gonna you'll probably hear me opening it um yep yeah. there it goes. <laughs> it's in one of those like tubes so that's what you heard um yeah, so it's at the very, very bottom of the bottle, uh, and I'm less than impressed. I remember liking it more. I mean, I haven't had it in a while. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember liking it more sort of uh, when I first got it. 
um, I'm finding the exact same thing that you sort of said, there's no middle. So that, that sort of, that big sort of, there's no big sweetness and then there's no big kick. It's a little more yes. of uh, sort of this even keeled, nice, it's got nice spice to it. It doesn't have that like kick. Um, it's uh, It's got a little bit of sweetness. It's got that oak. It's got all those things that we come to expect of a bourbon or a rye, but uh, nothing overwhelming, no, no big punch in the mouth that I kind of like. So I don't know. Maybe that's because it's the end of the bottle. Maybe I don't remember it very well. Maybe my taste has changed. But um, I would drink this. I would I would drink it, and I wouldn't think too hard about it. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting combination. And you mentioned like the bottom of the bottle versus top of the bottle. I just uh, went through a switch between uh, Buffalo Trace, just like the standard uh, drink, and I like finished off one bottle. I'm like, and then I went to the next bottle, and it really they they just taste so different from you know a ball that's been sitting and then that buffalo trace has been sitting around for a little while so it's been kind of like at that one-fifth marker and it's been kind of slowly going down so i just finished it off and started the next one and, and it really does you you do get such different flavor uh start to finish and you usually get a more positive flavor kind of towards you know when you first open and then a little bit further down in the pouring than you do when there's just a little bit left yeah yeah and, and we will talk about that next week on next week's show because we're gonna have glenn on yeah. and we're gonna do I, I ran that tasting we did some experiments so we'll 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 talk about that a little Bit. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I can't wait to do that one. What are you drinking right now? So I am drinking the, uh, and you'll love this because I know you love Willet. I'm yes. doing drinking Willet Rye. Uh, this is eight year old yes. barrel number 43, yes. 58.1% alcohol per volume. And yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love that I, rye. I mean, I love Willet's rye, any of their ryes. So good. Um, and you can probably tell me more about Willet than, than I can tell you, really. Um, um, yeah, Mark, I love Willet. Uh, Willet's having a moment right now. And um, I actually got to visit the last time I went. And one thing about it is you, if you do want to go to Willet on their, again, I think it's called their Craft Bourbon Trail. Or, yeah, I think it's something like that. It's, it's a bunch mm -hmm. of smaller distilleries. Um Hit it first because it's crazy. Did you go last time to Willis? No, no, I never have been. Nope. So it's like crazy busy. And it was a weekend and we went at 11 o'clock in the morning and they were like, sorry, all the tours are sold out for today, but you can do a tasting. So we did a tasting and we did um, Johnny Drum and Rowan's Creek and Noah's Mill. Um, and then I bought the two-year-old rye. So, um, yeah, and they were actually almost cleaned out by the time they got there. like it's insane how well this distillery is doing right now. Yeah, I, I feel like they they have it down pretty perfectly as far as um, you know they they used to buy or they probably still do buy whiskey from other distilleries uh, at least barrels, uh, but they also distill their own. They make a really great young whiskeys. They bottle other this. The whiskey distilled from other distilleries. Um, yeah, I, I love uh, Rowan's Creek. That that's a, it's a twelve yeah. year old bourbon at fifty percent alcohol. Like that's that's perfect. That's like a sweet spot for bourbon right there. Um, Noah's Mills also really great. Age longer, more alcohol. Like these are really great uh, brands and names. And, uh, and of course, Willett's whole line is great. Yeah, their um, price point's really awesome too on those those brands. Like really good as as. Uh, from what I remember, like we ended up getting the the two year rye, and there's like a bunch of like the family reserve that are there. Um, 
which are sort of more expensive but that all the the rowan's creek and noah's mill i always get them like backwards and like noah's creek and rowan's mill or (laughs) (laughs) right um their price point is like it is much lower so it and it's great stuff oh yeah yeah yeah, it's cheap i mean all, all things considered for what you get it's it's really inexpensive um and i feel like as a as a bourbon and rye drinker they get me they they're not you know they they just understand they do a lot of high proof uh whiskeys they focus on a lot of flavor uh they've got a lot of complexity so um this one is just you know there's not much about this this is barrel number 43 so it's a single barrel uh whiskey high proof um beautiful you get a little bit of the, that brown sugar it's a i wouldn't call this um a, a rye rye like it's right. not like a right. heavy rye flavored rye it's definitely uh more a lot, a lot more corn in here than like something like uh written house or like other very rye flavored uh drinks so it is a rye it's, it's got to have at least 51 percent rye but it's not like a high rye mash um, but just a delicious, great, lovely, lovely whiskey. That's sort of what always gives it away for me. We did it in a blind tasting once, and I got it based solely on that burnt sugar. For me, that's that I can. That's the one I can sort of like pick out a little bit. It's it's. I love that rye. Now the eight year old. I have the two year old, um, and I'm and I've probably said this before, but I'm so impressed with how incredible it is for a two year old whiskey. Honestly, I want for nothing when I drink that two-year-old. I, I don't feel like I'm drinking something so young. I love it. It hasn't sold out yet. It's still available. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, you know, it's it's probably better than a lot of other whiskeys that are selling out. So this is a great, great time if you're... If you happen to be around in the U.S. especially and uh, you're going to the store, get some Willet. Yeah, for sure. The Pot Still one comes in a nice little cool bottle. It's very um, cool, yeah. And, that's, and it's relatively affordable and like pretty much anything from Willet or their brands is pretty good. I mean, I've, I haven't tasted everything, but like I said, Noah's, Noah's Mills, now you've got me doing uh, it. Sorry. <laughs> Noah's Mills, Rowan's Creek um, are both excellent. The Pot Still is great. The Family Estates Reserves are great. Um, yeah, uh, all around, great, great whiskey, nicely done. And um, this is one of those bottles that I don't know when I'm going to have next, so I'm drinking it very slowly. Yeah, that's a good idea. The The two-year-old, I waited till New Year's Eve to open it, and I'd had it since October. So, yeah, it was a special one. It's not just, you know, at every old liquor store. Uh, we can't get it here at all. And, um, yeah, like it's it's having its moment right now, and people are, are flocking there. Uh, it's also a beautiful distillery. I love it. It's just down the road from Heaven Hill, if I remember correctly. Oh, cool. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, this bar's down the same, same city, right? Yeah, yeah. It's literally just down the street. So, I mean, if they were, if they had bought some barrels from there, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me at all. Yeah, I mean, some people would say it have this that, that slight bit of profile you'd get from a Heaven Hill, at least the, the older bottlings that were... Because uh, we should explain, the distillery is relatively new, um, so they haven't, you know, anything in the last, like, three or four years, anything older than three or four years would not have been made at the distillery. Correct, yeah. Uh, so I guess this sort of begs the question a little bit, what's what's craft, what's craft whiskey anyways? What's, what's, what does it mean now that we've got, you know, will it potentially, not necessarily, buying barrels from a big whiskey sort of company but they're still considered craft like where does it where does it sort of begin and end like I always sort of think about you know I think everybody wants their stuff to be craft or craft like 
because that's like a super hot term right now and everybody's got you know it's not good if it's mass produced so that's that's in everybody's head so i i don't know what's the definition like what do we think yeah and i mean legally so there's a lot of there's been a bunch of lawsuits with um companies suing places like Jim Beam and Maker's Mark. And I, I believe most of these losses have been thrown out. And uh, the, the way these, this works is, you know, a law firm decides they're going to do a class action suit on behalf of consumers. And then they find at least a couple of consumers to like say, yeah, I feel tricked. And then they go after like Jim Beam and, and say, oh, or Tito's Vodka. And they're like, hey, you know, you've been fooling these people by saying everything's like handmade, but you know, there's photos and, and here's like machines making stuff. So it's clearly not handmade. Um, so you're lying. Um, and I think there's maybe more of a legal um, twist for handmade versus craft. Because let's face it, we, we sold out the word craft long ago. I mean, it's just not, you know, like everything is like craft and then not, right? It's it's not, um, you know, I think my best example is like craft cheese and macaroni. I mean, I know it's like the company's name, but it's like, uh, you know, we kind of sold that out long ago. Yeah. Nobody really believes in... Um, in handmade stuff anymore. I mean, it's just not, um, everybody kind of understands it's not feasible anymore. I, I think, I think everybody understands. I, I assume people do. I'm just looking at this article. Um, that was, it's, it was written a while ago, but it says, uh, boom in craft distilleries indicates going small is key to future. And I'm just sort of skimming it. So I'm really sorry about that. Um, but is that, is that people's, that can't be the goal because nobody in business so far that I've met has said, we want, we're small and we want to stay small and we only want to make a certain amount of money. To me, <laughs> it seems like the goal is eventually to be maybe to expand that and not just be this tiny little place to get your product out there in a wider release. And in order to do that, you have to expand or partner up with someone that can offer that to you. So it. Yeah, I know. I, I see what you're saying. You see what I'm you... saying? Like, I'm sorry. I'm really struggling. It's this pot of coffee that's like spinning through my head right now. <laughs> No, I, I seriously think it's, it's really um, what you're right. There's no distiller that's like, hey, we, we're only producing, you know, you know, 100,000 liters of whiskey. And, and that's as far as we want to go um, with success comes like the need for more. Um, and you can't like say, oh, if you're this small, then you're craft. And I mean, you're, you're, the Kentucky Bourbon Tour is a great example where they have the craft tour. I don't know this for sure, but my guess is the craft tour is really like small distillers that just paid less money to be part of that Kentucky bourbon trail. Right. They're, they weren't like, they're like, you know, why, why don't we have a system where if you're smaller, we'll still let you in, um, but you're going to not have to pay as much as the big guys are. Right. And, and so that's what they're doing. Um, they don't really um, hit that point, but it is becoming a controversy. Uh, you know, Maker's Mark, uh, you know, they, they have images of people dipping um, the, uh, you know, the bottles and they're saying, well, that's craft. Um, you know, I don't really, I don't think I really care one way or another, I guess, ultimately. Um, I, I did, I was at Buffalo Trace and I saw like Blanton's is, as far as they told me, everything's individually bottled. So like Blanton's and a lot of their single barrel lines are like, there's people that are actually like 
you know, pouring the alcohol in there, bottling every single single barrel. So it's everything's like touched by hand. Um, but th- th- does that really matter? Do we really care? I mean, I don't know. What if somebody sneezes on my bottle? Maybe I don't want anybody touching my bottle. Maybe I just want it in a very synthetic, like clean computer ray where a computer is just like running and bottling everything and moving bottles around because I don't want anybody sneezing into my bottle. Um, I don't know. Like, I, like I, I just, I guess it's, I don't really get the debate. I, I don't really get the, the point. And I think the other part of this is these big distilleries are so good at making whiskey. They've, they've perfected it. They, they get it. Um, on the flip side, there's, uh, and I don't remember the name of the distillery, but when I was in Kentucky a couple of years ago, um, I was like, oh, let me do like, let me visit a craft distillery, a smaller distillery. And I think I, Jamie, I did the same thing you did. I was like, oh, let's see what's in the craft bourbon tour. And mm-hmm. I just, we just went to one of them. And I, I can't remember the name, but it doesn't matter. I go in there. I'm like, like looking around. I'm starting to ask questions, and and I realize, oh, the they they were actually owned by a gigantic food manufacturer that was like, hey, whiskey's hot. Let's build a distillery, right. and they did. And they don't make very much whiskey. And it's a small time, and it wasn't very. There's like, there's no passion behind it. There was no art. There was no. Uh, there's really just like, hey, whiskey's hot right now. We're a big corporation. Let's let's design a whiskey brand by committee. And here's our whiskey. Isn't it great? Um, but hey, it's craft. It's well, it's at least small. It's a small batch, you know, small distillery. Um, how is that any better? better? That's yeah. that's not a better at that's all. In fact, fascinating. That is totally fascinating because no, not only has whatever distillery you went to capitalized on whiskey being super hot. But it also managed to capitalize on like craft, small, like batch, whatever. Well, not small batch, but like craft uh, distillation. And so it's like double. People just assume that it, it's, it means better. But I, I honestly, I'm shocked to hear that because it seems, it seems so counterintuitive that, oh, they're literally just doing this to capitalize and like just to put some extra money in there pockets like how could you say that that's better than i don't know jimmy russell like yeah. you know heading uh you know the most technologically advanced uh, distillery that i've ever seen i mean at least uh, the one thing that i liked about wild turkey i mean i like lots of things about wild turkey but i like their unapologetic this is us sort of these, these are huge like you know stainless steel like mash tons and this is our motherboard computer thing so it's all sort of like it's just there and they don't really make any apologies for it they're like we were bought out by a very big company and it's allowed us to do even more of what we do so i think that also speaks to your point about you know big companies are making great whiskey and it doesn't mean that small companies aren't making great whiskey it just means that maybe a case-by-case basis is more appropriate in any circumstance because you can't always hide behind the craft or, you know, small or, you know, the whiskey will probably speak for itself at the end of the day. So it's just interesting. Everybody wants to be craft something nowadays and and there's my rant. I 100% agree. You want a whiskey made by people that care about the product and that are – giving you something that they feel is is important and then you can agree or disagree. Um, I think if there's little thought pour, put into whiskey, it's generally apparent and obvious. The lawsuits I don't understand. The 
I don't quite understand the desire for handcrafted goods in general because I feel like, you know, if you – art's a great example. Um, you can get, like, hand-painted art, and it's great and it's valuable because somebody spent, like, all their time painting this one painting. Um, but chances are, if you get, like, prints, they're going to look, like, nicer in your home. They're going to be brighter. They're going to be, you know, whatever, right? So the whole idea is, like, the handcrafted thing works up to a degree, but – it, anything is mass produced as whiskey unless your grandma or grandfather are making whiskey at home and that's like seriously handcrafted and also very illegal probably very um, illegal that's not allowed it's just not allowed unless you're drinking that kind of whiskey where you're like wow my granddad made this this is amazing or my grandma made this like wow this is awesome and it's a unique experience uh, anything you get to the point of like oh it's available at a store it's no longer you know there, there's machines. There's, there's some machines doing stuff. Yeah, and you sort of, you know, whiskey is such an expensive business to get into as well. You sort of have to um, take everything maybe at face value. So knowing, you know, that these um, craft distillers, they're not going to have the access to the funds in terms of like being able to pay for storage space or being able to afford, you know, it's to sit on this product for however many years. Um, so you always sort of have to think, I'm not terribly surprised that the craft distiller that you went to was also in, you know, part of a huge like food company or whatever, because they'll, they need the money. Like they, they actually really need a lot of money to sit on some product or at least to be able to sit on product and purchase other barrels for to distribute while they're sitting on their own product like will it so i mean it it's kind of you sort of just have to say maybe take a step back and say okay well where how is this possible and am i like putting too much stock in you know only drinking craft or small because chances are there's something else that's going on behind the scenes that maybe you know it is what it is i guess no but the i mean i think that the first uh, the first like real article that came out about this was in the daily beast and that that was this is going back till i'm looking it up now till like july 2014 um and it goes that your craft rye whiskey is probably from a factory in uh in indiana and the whole point of the article was like most uh, there's a distillery in Indiana that uh, makes the majority of rye whiskey for the United States um, as far as like, you know, Bullet Rye, I think Dickens, a few others, like a big brands, but also smaller brands like uh, Templeton Rye, for example. Great example, Templeton, Templeton Rye uh, uh, made with, you know, an old traditional prohibition, pre-prohibition uh, style. Um, and really, they, they do have a distillery, they physically have a distillery, but they don't sell, their mass-produced product is made in Indiana, it's uh, flavored with uh, with rye flavoring or, or some sort of flavoring that they use. Um, but they pass themselves off as, you know, handcrafted, small batch, whatever. Like, they've, they've got all the marketing terms. And they did get in trouble for that because they, they were bragging that they everything was made in, um, in Illinois, but it was actually being made in Indiana. And so they, they did have to change their labeling. However, on their website, they did, they did have all that information. It was just not necessarily on their bottle. Um, so you get, I guess, that side of the business where you just have people buying rye from a giant distillery and then adding their little twist to it, which is usually flavoring, and then boom, sending it out and be like, hey, it's handcrafted. So that's not good, right? Like, that's that's a little shady, I, I think. Right. 
I just want, I just want, I understand. So all of this is marketing, right? Like we're, what it comes down to is it's marketing. People want to say that they're craft because they then have the ability to uh, raise the price um, or uh, appeal to, I don't know, a, a specific population of people um, who maybe think that is like a bragging right. So I sort of... I mean, so much of what's happened in whiskey, including age statements and stuff, is all about marketing. And I think maybe we can sort of see the... If everybody just decided to be honest on their label and just call it what it is and make good product, then, you know, this sort of thing where people are elbowing each other to get the handmade, most expensive bottles out there would sort of be over if everyone was like yeah you know we you know make this and you know it's sort of our whatever stuff but it tastes really good I think I think so many people really do just drink whiskey because it tastes great and they don't actually really care whether or not just like you said it comes from somewhere huge or somewhere small if they like it they like it and for the most part if you're not a whiskey geek you're probably not investigating it so very much so I mean it's the whole thing where you try to sneak around and say like oh well we make this by hand and like you don't like just don't just just say it just be honest and and i think that if your product can and price it accordingly of course and then Mm -hmm. if your product stands up on its own then it, it does if you're making a good product then it will get it will get drank people will find out about it no problem no matter what you put in it if it's good and people enjoy it they will buy it and there's so much about marketing around this whole piece where, you know, age statement, this and whatever that. And it's all just marketing. That's yeah. It. And I mean, that's kind of the, the American way, too. Right. I mean, it's it's you need a product, you need good marketing. Um, and sometimes you have a good product with crappy marketing. I mean, not do so well. Sometimes you have a crappy product with good marketing might do well. Uh, so it, it all, you know, it all kind of hopefully evens out. Um, so what do we think about distilleries that are like accelerating the aging process? Uh, I mean, I think everyone's sort of experimenting on a certain level. I, we've heard Buffalo Traces, you know, experimenting. Um, they're very honest about that, using different size barrels and and trying different things. Um I mean, yeah, it's, controlling the climate that the girls con- are in. Right, right, yeah. exactly. And I mean, I think it's probably a necessity. Um, or what was it like putting it out on the sea? Like Jefferson's Ocean. They're, <laughs> they're um, now, aging that's it. That's a gimmick I, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> I, but I, like, I'm a sucker for it, though. I want to try that stuff so bad. I'm <laughs> such a sucker for a gimmick. As much as I like can talk about this stuff and like be like marketing this, but I'm a total sucker for it, a hundred percent. I make no apologies for that. If you say that this bourbon has been aged at sea, I automatically want to try it. That's awesome. It, yeah, I mean, I'm, I just you know, it is what it is. But I don't necessarily see anything wrong with it. If there is a shortage, which I mean of certain kinds of bourbon, then yeah, sure, play around with it. I mean, maybe that's something we've talked about this before, bourbon's so strict. Maybe it's good to sort of ease up a little bit and let people breathe and figure out how to do different things and age it. And if aging it quicker works, 
then hey that means more whiskey on the market yeah i mean it also yeah that that's a good point you're you're making more product i mean some of the ways because most of the aging comes from the barrel expanding and contracting it, it gives that that's that's a good way of getting a lot of flavor from the barrels so some distilleries will play with the climate and you know make it warmer and colder um, some distilleries just have a minimum uh, temperature that they go to or some where they're like anything below six degrees the whiskey isn't aging anymore it's it's too cold for many of the uh, chemical reactions so they just keep it above six degrees which is fine like that's great it's just like regular climate control um, and but there's also costs associated with all this as well so like having a, a, a enclosed warehouse where you're controlling the temperature of the warehouse that's not free like that costs money that that's definitely um, you know heating up a gigantic warehouse in the wintertime is not fun I'm sure so it, you know there it's not this these aren't like these aren't necessarily cost savings. I mean, they're just more, um, how do they get the whiskey to you quicker? Yeah, I, I don't see a problem. Okay, for with Woodford specifically, I have no problem with them using temperature-controlled warehouses, none whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't come at, um, it doesn't hit you nope. yeah. on any level where right. it matters because it's at this point, it's just like you just want to drink good whiskey and you just want it to have it and it, it doesn't the way to look at this another way is the we have a lot of those romantic notions of how whiskey's made and aged and how these barrels sit around and these flavors are just you know slowly come out of the wood and um and, and that's great and i think that's important i think that's you know that that is one of the reasons why i really enjoy whiskey i enjoy whiskey because it, it's this unhurried process of aging in the barrels um, but on the other hand i also don't feel the need to have it be absolutely perfect because i mean it's a very romantic story but nothing about it outside of that is very romantic i mean these barrels get tossed around they get poured out they get bottled they, you know ultimately really it matters what it tastes like so if you like what it tastes like what does it matter uh how it's made um i think you know i, I guess this is a very similar conclusion to what uh what, what when glenn and i were talking about like laws around whiskey it's, it all comes down to um, how much you're paying for what you're paying for and whether or not it's worth it. Um, and I think, you know, Templeton Rye did take a hit here because, you know, people were starting to see a lot of cracks. We're like, oh, well, we're not very happy about the way the bottling presented itself versus the, the actuality behind the bottling. Um, but, you know, Bullet Rye uses the same same juice. They don't, they, they probably, they don't add anything else to it. They just use that. But um, Bullet Rye has done great. And, a lot of the other rye uh, also have done very well from that distillery. So from the in Illinois, um, so yeah, I think it all kind of works out at the end for the most part. And I don't really care if people climate control their warehouses because I feel like that's not cheap either way. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. And, and it's funny, like when you're talking about this sort of romantic notion, I think that also ties into sort of what we were talking about earlier, which is that craft distillery thing. The sort of capitalizing on the romance of the situation and and keeping the distillery tours specifically um you know to the hand bottling portion of the process and 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 sort of there is a lot of romance around the the like whiskey industry and uh mm. i i in all these different ways i think they're trying to capitalize on that I think it's a lovely industry and, and I certainly get swept up in the romance of it all. Um, but I think that when you just like sit down with your 
glass of whiskey and whether it comes from somewhere tiny or whether it comes from somewhere massive or climate controlled or whatever as long as they didn't really like stick it to you in in terms of like (laughs) pricing or whatever then you know enjoy like it's kind of what it's about a little bit and we could debate and i might listen to this re-listen to this podcast and be like jamie you're so wrong like (laughs) completely disagree with myself in like (laughs) another two weeks and have a whole new set of opinions but as it stands right now like i don't really care that much I'm not going to fall on my sword for it, I guess, is what I'm going to say. In any way, climate-controlled, craft, I am just going to do my best to enjoy the product itself. Is that weird? No, I think that's the exact <laughs> right answer. Just enjoy the Thanks. product that you yes. enjoy. Tell me I'm right. Tell me I I'm right. I <laughs> think that's the right answer. I really do. I really do. Um just like, you know, craft cheese and macaroni is pretty good. Although we, in Canada, we call it craft dinner. We yeah. don't call it craft it's cheese and macaroni. It's so good. I haven't had it in so long. It's so Do you know why they can't call it craft cheese and macaroni in Canada? Why? Because it's not cheese. Well, I know. I also, so, I also don't care about that either. I'll still eat it. See, it's all related. Craft whiskey, craft, craft dinner. Whiskey, craft dinner. It, it, real cheese real cheese aging yeah. process whatever i don't care just I'll give it to me i'll eat it i'll drink it like just get it over here exactly you know we, we like you know if you care if you care which you know if you listen to this podcast you probably do if yeah. you care about the whiskey you're drinking and how it's made um you, you're aware of the laws you're aware of what laws and you know we talked about bourbon versus straight bourbon we talked about canadian whiskey single malt scotch versus blended scotch um the rules are there and you kind of know. So in Canada, you know, craft cheese and macaroni can't be called cheese because Canada defines cheese differently as in cheese. As in um, not powder, orange. Yeah. Orange powder. Shame. It's, this is good. Or it's like when they have cheese with a Z instead of an S, the, the kid's yeah. cheese. So good. So good. And, and everybody knows it's not actually cheese. It tastes like cheese, but uh, not handcrafted. No. <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think we both were a little ranty today. I think there that we sort of (laughs) maybe for a discussion on something, we sort of came to the conclusion that we don't really care that much. (laughs) Yeah, no, I guess that's true. That's a good point. We're like, this is somebody, some stuff that everybody's ranting about, and you and I are just like, ah, let's talk talk about about it. Half an hour about how we really don't care. We don't really care that much. Like, again, I, you know, I sort of, maybe I'm a bad whiskey geek, but I don't really, I'm not so concerned. Again, if you're trying to stiff me and you're trying to tell me that it's one thing and I'm paying for one thing, but I'm not getting that, then, you know, I'll maybe have a word or two to say. But I haven't really felt like completely and utterly ripped off yet with a Mm -hmm. bottle of whiskey. I have not felt like I've over paid yet now i'm thinking well that's because you weren't that's because you weren't uh in texas with with glenn and i and and buying texas whiskey they're just like this doesn't even taste like whiskey and i paid 50 dollars for this okay Uh. so that's that's it like but but that was a experience right i was gonna say but i I was making very uneducated 
purchasing choices. I'm like, hey, so I'm going to not do any research and just go into a store and see what I pick up not knowing anything. Right. Um, and yeah, that experiment showed me that you, you need to research there. There's, there's right. research necessary. Um, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I usually when I go to the States, I sort of have an idea of what I am going to buy or what I want. And I've actually bought bottles like the barter house that I have where I've read reviews and people are like, meh, it's good, but it's not $90 good or, you know, it's, you know, it's good, but for the price and this and that, and it comes from here, it comes from there and it's this and it's that. And I sort of, uh, I guess I, I, I really like it Mm -hmm. and I, I'm glad I have it. And when it goes away, I'll be sad. I might not buy it again. But I don't regret the purchase. I, I'm getting a lot of enjoyment out of that bottle. And I know it was an expensive one. Um, but, and this uh, this is obviously coming from a place of, like, privilege where, like, you know, it's I kind of sound like an a-hole being like, well, it's just $90. But, like, for me and what I love to do and drink, it wasn't a huge, massive yeah. expense. It was, it was... For me, it was totally worth it, and I have nothing but good things to say about that whiskey. I'm, I'm much less maybe picky because I'm I'm new to the game too, right? So I sort of am like, well, you know, it's good, it's fine, I like it, I'll drink it, no problem. People, if people have been doing this for like forty years, then they're probably more, <laughs> they're probably more apt to be like big no no on this one and not worth $90 compared to you know the hundreds and hundreds of whiskeys that they've had over their whiskey drinking career so maybe it's just me being a newbie well I don't know you could have had a bottle of uh, Willet for that price a nice like 10 8 or 10 or 12 year old bottle of Willet for that same price Mm. I know but you already have a bottle of Willet so you're like whatever I do and I think I spent I think it was like 90 bucks too so tell me let me ask you a question um it's summertime it's getting Somewhat, mm-hmm. I, you know what? Toronto has had the worst spring, summer. We're, we're still in the spring. Normally, yeah. it's like incredibly humid and stupidly hot by now. Um, and right now, it's still pretty cool. But um, does your whiskey drinking slow down as the warmer it gets? Do you drink less whiskey in the summertime? A hundred percent, yes. Yeah, I feel like I'm the same way. A hundred percent, yes. And I start drinking white wine, which I'm not interested in at all. I mm-hmm. have no, I've, I've yet to find a white wine that I like love, love, love. I love um, like one that I can afford, I guess is the way to say it. Because there's lots of white wines that I love, but nothing I can hang my hat on yet. So mm-hmm. I just drink white wine, um, even though I don't love it, and beer, and I do not drink as much whiskey. I, I'm in the same boat. I'm, I, I drink more red wines. I know you're supposed to drink white wine in the summertime, but I'm just... I, I don't like it either, but I drink it. Is that a problem? I think so. I think you just drink red wine. I can't drink red wine in the afternoon, though. It feels uh-huh. there's something that feels wrong about it. I don't know. Mm. I mean, it's a stupid thing. It's my own stuff. Like I don't know. It's weird. It's very strange. Well, see, I don't like the um, the the cold climates. Very apple acidic white wines. I'm not a big fan. And I know those are those are the summertime wines. It has right. to be like high acidity like that green apple flavor like that that is the summer wine to drink it is and i will have a glass of it and i'll enjoy it for a glass but i I can't go back for a second glass i really can't um and i'm like "Eh." and then of course and but but you're right when it's hot whiskey's not ideal um i you know i have put it on ice and just had whiskey on ice and it's been like okay this is fine 
Um, but then we get the dilution problem, which, which you know, Jamie, you have resolved the dilution problem. Just take the ice out of the glasses. Is take the, the ice out. Yeah, yeah. You've resol- you've, I, I think I'd feel a little weird doing that in a social setting. Just like have glass and be like, oh, this is cold enough. Do, 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 do. Just put those fingers in there. <laughs> Fish it out. <laughs> It's funny, in my head, I, I was using a spoon because I was like, oh, That's fingers very in the glass. very classy of you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not a germaphobe, but like maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, you don't like people's fingers in your whiskey? That's weird. Well, the fact that I'm like, oh, hand bottle lines. I don't want people coughing and sneezing I in my know, bottle I know. That was whiskey. like, yeah, I know. You have a... Okay, maybe that's a thing for you. I don't know. Yeah, but no, maybe I, it's a limitation. But yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, I drink less whiskey. Um, I drink more white wine. Um, I like, like, sort of more buttery wines. Like, I try, I try to find ones that aren't so, like, acidic and green apple-y. Um, so like an oak chardonnay, that kind of thing. Yeah, I try to find something like that. Um, but uh, I had a mint julep the other day, and I really sort of enjoyed it. Um, it was a pain in the ass to make because I had to smash all the ice into, like... Oh, yeah. But mint juleps are great. They're a great summer drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but insofar as, like, drinking straight whiskey, it's... it's Yeah, there's something about autumn, cozy, you know, sort of oaky or flavors that, that really appeal to me. I'm... Yeah. Plus, you're thirsty, so you naturally just want to have water. And drinking something that's like, you know, only like 50% water or 60% water, just, mm. you know, you want to keep hydrated. I mean, that's great advice, but I hate drinking water. Yeah. I hate yeah. drinking water. My friend Nicole calls, um, so we have this thing because we're all very bad at drinking water when we're out and about or at a wedding or wherever. And so we call it Water Wars. Uh. Uh-huh. So we, uh, if we notice that everyone's like drinking pretty heavily and it's time to t- take a break, someone will like yell like water wars and everybody goes to the bar and like chugs a pint of water <laughs> as fast as they can and then like gets back out there on the dance floor. So it's kind of like a weird, fun way to like <laughs> Is there make a sure prize that you for the hydrate. first place? No, no, just like less of a hangover, I guess. Right, it's just more but like a competitive way of like, it's we just need more. Water. Fu- yeah, it's just like, and it sounds like fun, and you call yeah. it water wars, and it's like it seems like it's you know like cool because drinking water is it's awful. I hate drinking water; it's so boring. All my water that I drink it's at home, so I've got fruit in it. I've always got stuff. I've always got ice cubes. Like I do a lot of work to make sure that like my water game is strong. The last thing I want is some sad looking pint glass with just water in it. That's so depressing. So, oh, so I've got to make water drinking an enjoyable experience. And Water Wars is one step closer to doing that because not every place that you go is going to have like fresh strawberries for you to throw in there and make it, you know, fancy. So I, I, I would like fun. to I would like to I would like to go to a bar with you and, and have you be like, oh, I like some water with uh, fresh cut strawberries, please. Yes, and some mint, please. Can you throw the strawberry and mint in together? Just leave it to steep for like, you know, 15 or 20 minutes and then bring it back to me. Yeah, I know that's a lame thing to say. No, so, that won't work. It won't work. No, they'll be like, just drink your stupid water and shut up. I'll squeeze a lemon slice yeah, into it. Yeah, some dirty lemon with. I know uh, the lemon is so bad. I dropped oh, the lemon into my water at the bar the like other day because <laughs> I had water at the bar, uh-huh. uh, my own private water wars, and I dropped it in. And I was like, oh man, I know how dirty those are. I should not have done that, but I still drank it. 
I know. That's like the one thing a bartender will tell you. What's the one thing I need to know? And they're like, never, ever put your lemon slice into the water because you just don't know where it's been. Disgusting. It's it's not like it, – it's assumed that the inside of the lemon – lemon is clean and therefore you don't have to clean the outside nor worry about when it's fallen on the floor and who knows where it's been. Just Just don't put lemon squares in your drink if you can help it. Yep. Unless that's you're drinking it. whiskey, because whiskey kills everything. <laughs> that's right. That's our like, that's the the wisdom of the day. Also, Do not, not a put medical opinion. bar limes and bar lemons into your drink. Ugh. Yeah, avoid that. I do it all the time, though. I'm like, I know, not, same here. I'm not care. a germaphobe at all. I don't. <laughs> doesn't bother me, honestly. It, it bothered me for like a couple of weeks, and I'm like, ah, screw it. I've been doing this all my life. It's okay. Life will go on. Life will go on. It'll be fine. And then, so next week, we have planned the uh, mystery whiskey tasting reveal, which will be with you and Glenn. I'm very much looking forward to that. It's going to be so much fun. I think it's going to be a laugh. I think you guys are going to both yell at me. You'll be like, ah, oh, Mark, you're stupid. Ugh. No, I mean, we won't say stupid because that's mean, but we'll say other things about you.